Well, welcome to the Cut for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns, and today we're digging into my message from Sunday, which was about joy. Uh, joy being the theme of Advent, but also J-O-Y being an acronym for Jesus, others, and then yourself or ourselves for our for our con- uh, for our context. But what does that look like? How does that actually work uh, for us to prioritize um, others over ourselves? Um, and then just how how does that lead to joy? Um, what 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 joy comes from that? So I mean, it's going to be a good conversation. I'm glad you're here for it. Let's get into it. So um, one thing I was going to ask you about is just how different the last two weeks have been with doing <laughs> um, online sermons. Yeah. Uh, give us the background or give us the behind the scenes look of what that's like. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the last couple of weeks, worship has just been we've 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 had other things taking the center stage and that's just fine. I, I have no concerns whatsoever about sharing that with people. I think that's awesome. And this is the time of year for it. Um, you know, we had the two weeks ago, we had the Advent Music Festival of just, you know, everyone getting to share their talents with 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 people, which was awesome. And then last week was the uh, Praise Band Christmas concert and they did a great job. Um, you know, Praise Band and Friends, they did a great job. It was fun to be, just experience that with the church, um, you know, and so it did mean that I got to record in a different way or present sermons in a different way. That was really, really hard and weird. Um, you know, it was, I was, you know, looking for the perfect backdrop of our Christmas tree in the sanctuary and the Advent wreath. And like, since it's Advent and, you know, how many candles should I light and how does that look? And just trying to adjust the camera angle and make sure, it, you know, all that it all went well and sounded good and was lit well. And, you know, just kind of some of those, those nerdy things that go into it. And so it was just me standing in the sanctuary with a tripod and a laptop and my microphone and just, you know, going for it. And I really, it brought me all the way back to my first appointment in Brookings. We used to pre-record the sermon so that whatever sermon was going out to the people in church on Sunday was also what was going on the radio broadcast. And so that meant that if it was my week to preach, I was preaching that sermon on Thursday to get it to the to the to the radio station in time to be on the broadcast. It was it's a very different feeling of preaching. It's so much more dry. Like there's no like there's no organic. You can feel the energy of the room. Like you 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 know when you've got people and you know when people are when you're losing people and you know when it's time to crash the plane and just say amen. Um, you know uh, the story that your dad tells about Rod Gist uh, one day just saying, you know, looking at his watch and saying, I guess I'm done now, and that was the end of his sermon. Like you don't get that in a in a in a, in a video recording. Like. Mm-hmm. You just don't, I don't get that feedback. Like I can't make jokes because no one laughs. And like, you know, I thought I was kind of funny, but also, and just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like, even if I do laugh at myself, I'm not going to keep that in, in the recording. I have the opportunity to edit that out, you know, or if I misstep or say, you know, if I say joy wrong a thousand times, which I did on Sunday while recording the sermon, I can go back and edit that out. Um it was so different and so weird. And I'm, I'm glad to do it. It's the right thing to do, but also it's really hard. So um, one thing that stood out to me during the sermon was my struggle. And I think everyone's struggle with putting the O or uh, others in front of the Y yourself. Right. Yep. And when you're com- constantly bombarded with serving yourself or treat yourself, like one of our favorite shows. 
Yes. You know? um, it gets really hard to put others first. Now, we're both in service um, occupations or... And so just kind of by the, by nature of our jobs, we kind of have to put others in front of ourselves. And, you know, yep. for me, I'm, I'm making really big decisions for other people. And what I think is best for other people. Um, you're obviously serving a whole bunch of people trying to do way more important things than I am. But... Oh, I wouldn't go that far, but <laughs> I don't know. I think salvation is a little more important than, well, yeah, that's, that's probably good. <laughs> that's, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad you feel that way. Uh-huh. But it, you know what I mean? I mean, so by our occupation that comes by default, we do those things. But I think it's different doing it by default through our jobs. And kind of like you had hit on when um, you do sermon prep, and that's different than Bible study. You know, right. serving others for our jobs is different than actually putting others first. Absolutely. Yes. You know, and how yep. hard it is. To, to do that step of putting others before ourselves. I don't know. What is in your, in your thought process? Um, what's a good barometer or a, a good gauge of if you're actually doing that, you know what I mean? Like, like when you look, when you look introspectively, um, right. how do you know if you're doing the right thing and putting others first? Yeah, that's a great question. Externally, it's really easy to tell because like, does, is the, is the decision I make going to benefit XYZ person is, is the decision I'm going to make the most beneficial to the most amount of people, you know, but like, you know, are they going to directly benefit? Like you can, you can have that conversation and look at external, you know, um, external fact, not factors, external data, um, mm-hmm. Uh, empirical data and just say, okay, well, we are going to do X, Y, Z for this many people. And that's the right. And that, that's the right thing to do. Um, but the internal work is so much harder um, because it can be done from a place of, you know, well, I'm just doing this because it's my job or I'm just doing this because it's the right thing. You know, it's the right thing to do whether or not we feel that or not. And so I think that the internal work is really looking at how does this make me feel? Like, do I really feel like I am elevating somebody else for the sake of, for, for their sake, rather than for me to look good? Mm -hmm. You know, am I, am I going to, you know, am I going to let you do something? Am I going to ask you to do something um, or not ask you to do something. Am I, am I going to do something that's going to benefit you so that it benefits you? That's, that's the big question. Like, cause like, you know, the decision of like how I spend my time, am I really, am I considering the feelings of others? Am I, you know, really looking at ways that I can, you know, extend good into the world motivated by my faith, you know, and then, and then just doing that in that inner work. The, the thing that's coming to mind for me is something that I heard from, from my aunt a long time ago about giving to the church. The church that she was a part of was really um, kind of just shame-based when it came to financial giving. And, you know, they, she really just had this sense of she was being asked to give until it hurt. And, you know, really, it should be the opposite. We should be looking for opportunities to give until it feels good. You know, mm-hmm. we should be able, looking for opportunities to to better other situations until it feels good for us. You know, and that and that's and that that and not that we're just chasing that euphoric feeling or that we're doing it so that so that we benefit 
in the long run. But really, how do we do things for others in a way that just makes us feel good about it? You know, mm-hmm. that, that that builds that joy we've been, we've been talking about in the first place. Like this is all about Jesus, ourselves, and our Jesus, others than ourselves, which I did like four times when I was recording and had to cut out. <laughs> Jesus others and then yourself and like not we just have to just stop caring and this is the hardest part of it we have to stop caring if it benefits us at all you know mm-hmm. and then that and then that's just the that becomes the barometer i think that is the right answer and taking that step when you stand nothing to gain and have everything to lose really i mean yeah um not not caring about what everyone else is going to think when you're doing the right thing, not worrying about, you know, and, and you can do flashy things and, and yeah, like you said, you, everyone can be rah, rah, look at what you did, but that's yeah. not the part that matters. And I think that's the, the, um, where everyone gets so caught up in, in giving and all that kind of stuff. Hey, look how much I put in and look how much, you know, whatever. That doesn't really matter. Yep. It's yep. where your heart's at when you do those things. Exactly. Yep. And like the recognition is nice, but it can't be our, our motivating factor. You know, mm-hmm. like there is a certain temptation in the life of the church, not just not just our church, but like all churches of like giving something to put our name on it. The recognition is nice, but it cannot be the motivating factor. The recognition, it has to it, it needs to be a byproduct that we, you know, that it, it, it feels good to be recognized for the things that we're doing. And like it cannot be our intention and it can happen anyway, but it can't be our intention. Like that's, that's the difference from, that's part of the difference for me. Yeah. Sometimes do you think of, of, you know, giving to others is one of, one thing that stands out to me is um, you almost have to explain it to yourself or to others. Like you're explaining it to your children. Mm. You know, if the kids ask, why do we give, you know, why are we giving money away? Why are we giving gifts to, you know, toys for thoughts or whatever it might be? Because they need it more than we do. And they're never going to know who you are. Yep. They're never, they don't need to know who you are, but they're going to appreciate what they got. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, sometimes you just got to, I don't know, think of it, think of it the way that you would explain it to your children. Thinking about our how we sometimes treat our children in this aspect. We, We want our kids to have success so we can see how successful we are. Mm, you know yep. or yes definitely and i am now that i have kids playing sports i'm finding myself more and more um uh, falling victim to that mindset sure. of living vicariously through my children i just need to realize that this is really just for them i am coaching them so that they can be successful and do what they want to do and if they don't want to play sports that's fine you know yeah yep that's hard you know? Oh yeah, for sure. But also, um, when you take your daughter to a basketball game and she thoroughly enjoys it and is thoroughly enjoying things that you enjoy, there is no, I don't know that there's a greater joy than that. That does feel good. You know, last oh, yeah. night, when I was at the game with Nellie last night and she was just grinning and loving it and, and wouldn't stop talking about it on the way home. I'll instantly all my brain went to was think of the things that we're going to get to do now that she likes sports, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. 
you know, and yep. she sits and watches the Vikings games with me and, and just loves it. And I'm like, think of the thing. Yeah. The times yeah. that we're going to get to spend together because of, because of those right. things. You are not living vicariously through her. You are realizing that, that, you know, that this is, this is putting others before yourself, Eric, like you're watching your daughter's enjoyment becomes more important than the, than the thing in the first place, you know? And like, Looking forward to that going forward. Yeah, that's just, you know, look at all the fun times that she gets to have because, you know, you, this is a thing that you guys get to do together now. A similar thing went on, went on, like, you know, now that he's really getting into like USD football and like USD sports and like just watching him watch a football game or just watching him take an interest and then ask a billion and a half questions. And like at one point you're just like, oh my gosh, I just want to watch the game, but it's not about me. Mm-hmm. It's about the opportunity that we get to spend time together. That's that's so much more fun than than anything mm-hmm. else. It is. It absolutely is. Dad, what happened? It's a touchback, buddy. Dad, mm-hmm. what happened? <laughs> Offensive holding, buddy. Dad, what happened? You know, ask me a billion and a half questions. That's, can- that's just fine. Yep, exactly. She was a chatty Kathy last night and I didn't care. That's awesome. She was asking questions to learn and I will yeah. gladly teach as much as I can. One thing I thought about was who around us or you or whoever just kind of exudes the definition of joy um, that we talked about on Sunday. Wow, I can think of so many people. Um, you know... <laughs> Teresa Kuiper is one of those people that just, you know, oh no my matter- gosh, I saw it the same thing. Nice. Nice. Yeah. No, just despite anything mm-hmm. that's happening, like she's just one of those people that the whole world can be falling apart in so many different areas around her. And it just, you know, you can tell after a while, you can tell that she's a little bit phased by it, but more often than not, it's just, you know, she is just such a person of such deep joy. That, yes. you know, I, I really just I, I've grown to so appreciate and just notice and uh, just just I really just appreciate that about her. And she's the first person like yep. anytime anyone needs a thing, she's going to she's the first person to just, to just jump in and do whatever needs to be done. 100 percent agree. That was the first person I thought of. And yeah, she always she's she's just willing to help. Yeah. She's willing, whatever project we have at church, whatever it might be, she's just willing to help. The The idea that framed the entire sermon was this J-O-Y idea, like Jesus, others, and then yourself. Um, you know, like we we're talking about with, with Teresa, like things are not always great, mm-hmm. but that doesn't like rob us of our joy. We don't have to always be happy and like the world is not always just sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes things are really hard and sometimes things are really bad but yet we can still hold on to the idea of joy even in the midst of our weaker circle of, of our lesser circumstances. Like our happiness can come and go. Like I was happy watching the girls that did the junior cheer thing. That was so cool. But then we watched our team lose the ball game. Like those two, those two things are different than talking about joy. Um, joy is so much bigger and so much deeper than just our, our just our temporary reactions to our to our current circumstances. The the topic of joy is so hard because we kind of sometimes conflate those two things. Of uh, you know, this is not very fun, so I'm not a joyful person. But yet, 
we still are though. Like we can acknowledge that things are hard. Like, you know, I get to do a funeral this week and like, that's hard, you know, for, for everybody involved, it's hard, but yet there is joy knowing that, you know, that the person that I'm doing the funeral for his pain is over. Like life was not very fun for him there at the end. And that's hard for us to navigate. And I don't want to ever reduce people's feelings or, or the hurt or the mourning or the every, any, anything else that goes into that. But yet we have this profound sense of joy that is found in Jesus, found in our faith, found in our common identity as Christians that I just don't think goes away as nearly as quickly or, or, or as for, for as long. Um, I'm going to say it that way that near that go, that doesn't go away nearly as quickly as our joy does. Like our joy, sometimes life can be bad enough that it, that it does get lessened or weakened, but, and sometimes we have to be resilient in our joy or fierce in our joy, but yet, you know, we can't, we can't just say I'm not happy and then think of that where, you know, that the, the joy isn't, you know, the part of the gift of Advent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you got planned for Christmas Eve? Yeah. So Christmas. So actually we have Christmas Eve morning to deal with first. That's a, that's mm-hmm. going to be a different sermon um, because it is just, it's Advent four. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're going to be talking about love. The general theme of the, of the message will be our transformational love. Uh, the love of Jesus makes us into different people. We are made into new creations in Christ is what the apostle Paul says uh, to the church. Um, and that's just the love that comes down at Christmas. The love that we're celebrating is the love of Jesus, which makes a, complete and total change of who we are. It can completely rewire our circuitry, completely transform us into people that are pursuing the likeness of Christ. Um, And so then we're going to turn around at Christmas Eve and talk about light and just how important Jesus' wondrous light is. You know, we're going to be talking about the Isaiah text where it talks about the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, Um, you know, and then that and that great light being found in Jesus. And how does how does the light of Jesus help us navigate not just this holiday season, but our entire lives as we seek to live Truly and uh, truly and authentically for Jesus um, in the world around us. Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's Cut for Time podcast. Uh, join us again next week in person for, for Sunday morning, for Christmas Eve, Sunday evening, or back here for the podcast in 2024. Woo! Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.